everybody, and welcome to episode 319 of the Ask the Coach show, where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, I'm joined by Super Coach Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois. Ah, thank you, Jeff, and uh, welcome to you too. Yeah, thank you very much. It, um, you've been uh, preparing for this show by doing some exercise, I hear. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm out walking and jogging, yes. Again, Great, so. excellent, get the heart rate up. Um, exactly, clear the, the mind, make yeah. sure that, uh, that uh, you know, I'm uh, espousing the best I possibly can. As sharp as a tack, all that blood flowing to the head. That's right, exactly. Great, great to hear. Now, Alois, I have a question for you. Yes, Jeff. Why was the baby strawberry crying? Don't know, Jeff. Because its parents were in a jam. <laughs> and and, I, and not only that, Alice, I have another yes, question Jeff. for you. Yes, Jeff. What do you call a dog magician? I uh, don't know, Jeff. A labracabrador. A labracabrador? Does that even make sense? You call Maybe. him a labracadabrador. A labracadabrador. Could you want me to do the jokes for you, Jeff? It's a labracadabrador, dog magician. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Wonderful. So, Jeff, uh, just, just, yeah. Let me know. Like, your son wasn't available this week, right? Mm. I know he went off to school, and I'd forgot to ask him to get a joke off him. So I had to, Clearly. I had to find up, find some myself. Clearly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alice. Well, let's just let's bring the show back on track. What yes. happened on this week? Well, a very exciting week, Jeff, because uh, it was one of our favourites, Yarn of a Voldner's birthday on the 3rd of October. The Yarn of a Voldner. The, well, yeah, sometimes I do get these wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's the Yarn of a Voldner. Um, born in 1965, I reckon that's him. Wow. Uh, him, Jeff, he's getting old, right? And I knew he was a good bloke because he's a Libra just like me. He is, Jeff. That's correct. <laughs> a Libra. He's, he's got a reasonable sort of uh, record, though, Jeff. He's, um, <laughs> he does have a reasonable sort of record. Yeah. He, uh, he won a gold medal uh, at the Olympics in 1992 in Barcelona, which is a reasonable sort of start to any uh, resume. Yep. Um, and also silver medal in Sydney, the, the Olympics that you played. Yeah, uh, I watched him play that match. I think he was down like two games to nil, fought back to two all, and then got a shocking start in the fifth and was never in it. And Who did he play in that one, Jeff? Um, Kong Ling Huey. Ah, uh, Kong Ling Hui, that's right, yes. Yeah. See, all these generations are starting to merge into one, and I was thinking, you know, I, I was thinking it's someone like Zhang Ke, but it, like it sort of is, right? Yeah, yeah, but it merges into one, but yeah, no, uh, still Kong back in that... 18 era. years ago, that's right. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, well, very privileged to see that uh, match, Jeff, and also... Oh, yeah, yeah, amazing, amazing match. Um, yeah, I think it was like 21, cause it's still up to 21, you know, back when they used yes. to play properly in terms of scoring. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the old days, Jeff, yeah. <laughs> um, but in the fifth set, it got to like 21... Or 20 to 10 or something, and, and Waldner almost, like, chucked the point. He kind of just flicked it as hard as he could and just walked up and shook his hand. I was like, I know it's unlikely to win 10 in a row, but at least don't just give it away. 
not an Olympic final, right? Yeah, but um, yeah, it was a tough oh, match for yeah, well, that Yeah, uh, he did. He he snagged a couple of world singles titles as well in '89 and. 97, so, you know. And 90, oh, no, yeah, years. not 91, did he? he he's a lot of runner-ups as well. Yeah, 91, he came runner-up to uh, Jorgen, and I, I saw that one. So maybe we're a bit of a moz on him, Jeff. <laughs> maybe. It's all major final losses. Because didn't you see um, him in 87 as well? Uh, I did see him in 87 as well, that's right. And, yes, and he lost so that final too. lost that one as well, exactly. So, uh, yeah, we are definitely no good for that Waldner guy. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, in, well, in uh, 87, um, he lost to Jiang Jiliang as a very young, I think he was only, well, seven to, uh, 87, he must have been 17, 18 or something like that. So, um, yeah, um, very young player at that stage. But, yeah, I mean, obviously just one of the legends. And, you know, we've had this a bit debate, you know. If he was born he... in 65, Al, that makes him 75, 85, 22. 22, yeah, exactly. Just as I said, 17. Um, yeah, he was 22 at the time, Jeff. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But still very yeah, young. Yeah, still very young. And uh, yeah, I remember he was sick during the the teams event, because they used to have the teams and the singles all in the one event, and he was sick during the teams event, didn't play in the final, and then uh, came out and um, blitzed it in the singles and came runner-up to Jiang Jiliang. So, yeah, but he, uh, you know, we, we have had this debate before. Is he the greatest of all time? Definitely he puts his hat in the ring there. That is Yeah, sure. I mean, you look at the record, 87 runner-up, 89 won the World Championships, 91 runner-up, um, 97 wins it again, uh, 93 and 99 he's got bronze medals in the yeah, singles. Yeah, 90, 92 won the Olympics. So. Yeah, it's very impressive. And then what I was surprised about, Alice, is that the team um, wins. Like, uh, they won in 89, 91, and 93. So, like, that was three in a row. Yeah. Um, and then they looked like they were falling, going down. They came back and won it again in 2000 in Kuala Lumpur. Yes. Yeah, that was uh, that was a big turnaround, wasn't it? Mm. That team. So, yeah. But um, well, I, I, we could talk about Waldner all day, mm. Jeff. Um, yeah. Um, we we do need to move on because the, another another great player of our time, Koki Niwa, um, ah. birthday on uh, well has his birthday tomorrow on the tenth of October. There you go, another liberal. All these good players. <laughs> so he won a a, um, he... a gold medal in the Youth Olympic singles in two thousand and ten in Singapore, um, and uh, you know he's he's one of the the big generation of Japanese players that have come through, and he's probably one of the leading ones um, out of that whole generation, you know, really leading the way and, uh, and lifting the, the standard in, uh, in Japan. And he's um, still so, very young, Alloys. Yeah, how old would he be now, Jeff? If Just he was turning 24 not, tomorrow. 24, that's right, Nearly yes. as young as Waldner when he <laughs> yeah, was 17. very young. That's fine. Um, so, yeah, so lots of, yeah, still lots ahead of him, and yeah, very exciting game he has. So uh, yeah, so happy birthday to uh, Koki Niwa for tomorrow, and the and probably the the highlight of the week, Jeff. It was Jeff Plum's birthday on the sixth of October. Oh, he, so exciting! He was um, born in 1974, Jeff. So how did, how old would that make that old guy? Uh, at least 44. 
least 44. That's right. So, yes, happy birthday, Jeff, for the 6th of October. There's, there's no World Championship doubles mentions or there's nothing. No, it's no. Just blank. There, there was, uh, you know, representation well, of the Olympics in 2000. What's that? There was an Olympic representation in 2000. Yes, all right. Bring home the big ones. Good. That's right. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm so, a Libra too. How come I miss out on all this? You're just you're just letting the Librans down, Jeff. Something to do with talent and hard work and <laughs> perseverance and dedication and talent all, and all those sorts of things. Talent again. Yes. Well, so there you go. Now, was that not the most exciting segment you've heard, Jeff? It was Walna, Koki Niwa, you. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, it was good until you got to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Great segment, though. I do like it. Well done. Thank you. Jeff. All right, let's move on to the tournament wrap, Alloys, because there's some pretty exciting things going on in table tennis right now. Yeah. So we've just finished the European uh, Championships, um, and. You know, speaking of old guys, um, the men's singles, Timo Boll got up again. Um, wow. so, How does yeah. he do it? I don't know. He just he just keeps on keeping on, doesn't he? You know, so he beat um, – he had some reasonably, well, simple opponents early on. But he, in, in, the, um, in the round of 32, he beat um, Khan Akazu from uh, – I don't even know what country he's from um, – from France. France. Yeah, in uh, 4-3 in the round of 32 uh, to, to make it through the round of 16 where he, where he faced up to pit Liam Pitchford. And, and Al- oh, yeah, that 4-3 was 13-11 in the seventh, Alloys. Yeah, so isn't it funny how, you know, you squeak out of matches early on and sometimes that just, you know, solidifies you and, and uh, stands you in good stead for the rest of the tournament. And uh, yeah, then then faced up to Liam Pitchford, and we know Liam Pitchford just recently had a had a win against Ma Long, so uh, that wouldn't have been an easy match. And he won that four two, and then uh, he had uh, Daniel Harbishon in the quarterfinals. He had Patrick Franziska, his teammate in the semis, and he won that one four three as well. And he was down there three games to one, came home eleven nine eleven five eleven seven to take the take the match. Wow, there you go. And then the final, the surprise packet of the tournament, um, Ionescu from Romania uh, made the final, which is a which is an absolute uh, amazing effort by Ionescu, beating um, Samsonov. Uh, sorry, beating Ovcharov. No, he didn't. He beat Samsonov, um, who beat Ovcharov. So yeah, so uh, Samsonov beat Ovcharov in the round of sixteen. Then Ionescu beat Samsonov 4-3 in the quarterfinals. Yeah, and 11-9 in the seventh. A lot of close matches. This scoring up to 11 just proves excitement after excitement after excitement. <laughs> oh, there you go. At least he finally he's, he's, he's listened to us. Um, and um, then in the semifinal, he beat Christian Carlson 4-1. Um, and then uh, you're going down to bowl in the final uh, 4-1. So, yeah, great effort there by uh, Timo Boll and also by... Uh, Ionescu to make the final. Um, and in the women's, um, it was uh, Lichian from Poland um, who got the uh, got the win against Pesotska, um from uh, Ukraine. So that was, uh, again, uh, good good effort by uh, Lichian winning 4-2 um, in the final. In the semi-final, beat her countrywoman, Grabowska, um, and... Um, yeah, beat Bernadette Zock 
sock in the quarters. So, uh, yeah, Li Qian working her way through the field and winning the women's singles at the European Championships. Yeah, Europeans are always, the European titles are always exciting um, because, uh, as, as we said, you know, you take out the Chinese and, um, and, it, and the, the rest of the world flattens out and it uh, makes things uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, great tournament. Yeah. And then um, also on the tournament front, we've got the Youth Olympics happening as we speak. So the Youth Olympics in Buenos Aires. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, I suppose the, the draw cards there, uh, young Tomokazu Harimoto um, uh, pl- uh, participating. So that'll be interesting to see whether he can uh, take the goods um, in that Youth Olympics. And, you know, that, I guess, will be actually will be good um, experience for him if he can win the gold medal in an Olympic event. You know, it's the Youth Olympics, yes. Um, but uh, it'll be good to just get over the line um, in an Olympic event, you know, standing him in good stead for 2020 where he'll be gunning for the big one. Yeah, and I see he's already taken down one Australian early on, Alois. Yes, yeah, he beat uh, young Ben Gould um, 4-0 in the first in his first group match, so it would have been a great experience for the young Australian player um, to uh, to play Harry Moto in that, on, on the big stage there. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, so other names that are there, you know, Kanak Jar, they've got some Chinese players there as well. Um, so, yeah, it'll be uh, interesting. The The group matches are finishing um, today, and then uh, we'll be into the round of 16 after that. Yeah, very good. Awesome. Youth um, Olympics, yeah, get on to it. Yeah, exactly. And then I suppose the, the, the other one, and the other one, big one for me, is the, the World Para Championships coming up in Slovenia. Uh, from the 17th to the 20th um, of uh, October of this month, so coming up very soon. And uh, yeah, so that's the World Para Individual Championships, um, r- a huge event. Um, so there'll be uh, tw- well, there's 22 classes in the para events. I think there'll be 21 events because the women's one and two will be combined. But um, yeah, great to see. If you haven't had a chance to look at um, world para table tennis um, get onto it you will be amazed at uh, at the uh, level of play of, uh, of these players what does the combining of women's one and two mean yeah sorry so there's 11 classes um, in uh, para events so one to five uh, different levels of um, impairment um, but all in wheelchairs um, so uh, one and two are the most impaired um, players okay. and often it's, it's difficult to find players at that level um, and that are competing. So that's why they often have to combine classes one and two. Yep. So um, yeah, the, the the players in class one are obviously um, at a at a disadvantage, but um, yeah, it's better than not playing. So yeah, it yeah. makes sense. And yeah. so um, for Australia, I don't want to put the mozzer on anyone, but any any <laughs> medal chances. Oh, there's there's a couple of players that um, you know are in the in the top ten, which is which stands them in good stead. Um, both Melissa Tapper, yep, uh, in the cl- class ten women's, and Sam Von Einem in the class eleven men's. So um, yeah, so they'll be the two the two players that will be looking to to win medals at uh, at the World Championships in Slovenia. Excellent. And do we send a big team from Australia over there? Yeah. So this is the biggest team we've had. So we've got ten players. Uh, representing Australia, 
And uh, those players have either qualified through the Oceania region or by their world rankings or um, some wild cards as well. So uh, a couple of players have got wild cards due to there not being another Oceania representative. So the um, the para committee tried to uh, spread the spread the numbers across the world, which uh, which makes sense. Awesome. All right. Sounds good. Looking forward to seeing some uh, some table tennis there. All right. Let's move on then to the trill of the week, Alois. What have we got? Yeah, so the trill of last week or last time yep. was um, to make your serve legal and mm-hmm. um, serving practice so that you don't ever have any issues in a match. So hopefully you've been practicing your serves and just putting a bit of emphasis on that um, because if you get into a match, you know, especially an important match, and you do get pulled up for your serves, it can really throw you off. So so if you haven't done it, do it um, over the next week or so. Practice those serves. Practice just making sure that everything is completely legal so that uh, it's uh, nice and easy for the umpire and nice and easy for yourself as well. And you can still get a whole heap of spin. Your serves can still be really effective. Um, just make them legal. Yeah, good tip. And, yeah, and then... I suppose uh, the next the the trill of this week is just inspired by uh, you know I've had a bit of a spurt with um, with uh, my own uh, fitness and and uh, thinking about my own uh, fitness and so the tip of this week is to just get your body right as well as your technique you know especially especially if you're looking to reach a higher level. Um, in the sport, but even if you're a club player mm. and you know you're looking to move up a grade, sometimes just being a little bit faster, a little bit stronger, um, a little bit lighter can just make a, that little difference that you know can get you over the line and get you to win some points as well. So um, yeah, so just think a little bit about what you're doing with the rest of your um, preparation. So not only your on-table preparation, but think about. Um, your fitness, your nutrition, um, also the psych um, part of the game um, and just uh, try to balance yourself so that when you do get out there on the table that you're really as well prepared as you possibly can be. Yeah, and I I think there's a lot of um, suggested benefits of being just a little bit fitter too, isn't there? Like reducing stress levels, helping you think clearer. Um, And, you know, I kind of feel like... That, that's what happens when you get a little bit fitter. So, you know, it's always always a good opportunity to, to improve yourself a little bit. And I think, it, I mean, it just makes you feel better for the rest of the day anyway, doesn't it? If you, yeah, if, get if those endorphins. That's right, eating, eating well. Um, exactly. And interest, interestingly, the, the, the older I get, the more I feel that my diet plays a bigger part in... Um, my body composition now um mm, interesting to the exercise so i mean the exercise is obviously important as well but i feel that um diet is starting to dominate the um the body composition rather than rather than the exercise there you go all right good tip so uh yeah bit of a, get the body right through some exercise and diet watch what you eat or, or, or just eat good, good stuff. It's good. Watch what you eat because otherwise you might miss your mouth, Jeff. <laughs> you should do a joke of the week next week, Alice. You think? <laughs> I'll, I'll have to get on to your son, though. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. Uh, let's now, Alice, get on to the questions. You know, you, okay, you've done your exercise. To warm up. Hang on. Uh, yeah, but good stretch. Yep. Okay. 
All ready right, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All I'm right, ready. first question is from Kida. It says, normally the ball which is uh, chopped by the other player, we have to at- attack that ball by topspin. But we can also kill it when it is on the net level. What is this stroke called? Yeah, so Kida, the, that stroke, it's called a smash, but um, it's a very risky stroke. I mean, the, if it, the ball's low and it's got backspin on it, um, yes, you can smash it, but you have to be extremely accurate to be able to get that ball on the table because the, the backspin is naturally dragging the ball down into the net. So you have to really open the angle of your racket to compensate for that. So doing that and hitting the ball hard it makes it a very tricky proposition to land that ball on the table. So if you think about your contact point of where you're hitting the ball, there's a very, very small line, a direct line between that contact point and any part of the table. So, you know, to get that completely exactly right, you, know, you have to be really good. So that's why we, we recommend in that situation, you know, just putting some topspin on the ball is much, much better much safer, and you can still hit the ball really hard with a with a topspin, um, and you're just getting that dip, so the ball's got a better chance of dipping down onto the table rather than just sailing and keeping on going and flying off the end or into the net. Right, so when you hit that one really flat, you, you get no dip because you've got no spin on the ball. But when you yes. hit topspin, you can still hit it really hard because that topspin causes it to curve downwards and gives you a much better margin for error. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that's right. I mean, players with short pimples, um, especially on their forehand, um, t- can play or tend to play that smash or that flatter ball well. But that's something that they do as a matter of course. I mean, that's that's the main stroke of their game. So they're, they're practicing that a lot, you know, smashing that ball with short pimples. Um, and also the the backspin doesn't have as much effect into the short pimple as it does if you're using an inverted rubber. Oh, so that makes sense. Yeah. So with the, with the pimples, short pimples especially, yeah, you can you can do that a bit more reliably. Um, than yeah, but it's, I mean, still 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 a risky stroke. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So yeah. So um, especially if you're playing with inverted rubber, then learn the top spin stroke or the loop, whatever you want to call it, and um, yeah, and, and use that as your main weapon. I guess when you're watching all the, the top players, uh, Ma Long and that, you really don't see them smash the ball until it gets up quite high. They t- And they just hit the ball so hard with their forehand topspin that why yeah, would they? I, and I think, I think that's where a lot of players or a lot of people watching get confused. It looks like they are smashing that ball, but actually it's a very, very fast topspin. So their contact is actually a very fast brushing action. It's not a flat contact. Mm. Um, and as I say, I mean, because the, their bat's moving so ridiculously fast, it's, it's hard to see that, but that's actually what's happening. They are spinning that ball really heavily um, with that forehand or backhand as well. Yeah, excellent. All right. Great question, Kida. Next up is one from Stephen who says, Hello, Ping Skills. I have been playing for 20 plus years and it was just recently brought to my attention that I do not watch the point of contact on my own racket. I tend to look at where I want to hit the ball on the opponent's side of the table. I've been struggling to break this bad habit. When I deeply focus, I can watch the ball for a few hits, but if the rally goes for more than four or five hits, I quickly go back to my old habits. 
Do you have any training ideas or thoughts to keep in mind uh, in my head to break this bad habit? Yeah, so Stephen, I think firstly, I think it's a little bit of a fallacy that you can see the ball all the way to your own racket. Um, There's not many players, I think, in table tennis that are watching the ball or can actually follow that ball right into their racket because it's um, the ball's travelling so fast in and out of there, it makes it almost impossible. In tennis, you've got a little bit more time. So if you always go back to um, Federer. So if you watch some of those super slow-mos of Federer, he is actually watching the ball all the way into the racket and his head actually pauses there while he's playing his forehand topspin. Um, so I think that's possible. The ball's travelling slower. You've got more time in between shots. In table tennis, I think it's, as I say, almost impossible to actually see the ball into your racket. But the aim is to watch the ball as long as you possibly can. So, you know, um, track it as far as you can. You'll you'll probably notice that you watch it to about, you know, um, 30 centimetres, um, you know, foot away from your racket. And then you just trust your your instincts and, and your your hand eye coordination to make to do the rest. So um, yeah, I suppose that's the first thing. You know, you don't don't be too hard on yourself if you can't actually see the ball go into your racket. You know, you, if you're watching it carefully and tracking the ball as well as you can, that's great. The the point about um, you know how do you practice this? So there's a couple, well there's one thing that you can do is just Perhaps um, put um, a marking on the on the ball, something that you can see. So the ball, um, you know, being white, you don't usually see much. You just see the, the whole white ball. Um, you know, maybe paint something on there. Put uh, or not, don't paint, but you know, draw something on there with a texture um, that you can see, just to um, give you something to focus on within the ball. But then. You know, take that away as well before you start playing games and then try to see how well you can keep focusing on on the ball itself. So it's just, I guess, just tricking yourself into ways of find, uh, finding that ball more interesting. Um, but then, I mean, inherently, in the end, you need to uh, actually be interested in what the ball's doing and tracking the ball. And the more you practice it, the easier it'll get, you know. So if you if you spend five minutes the first um, training session just focusing on the ball, um, you know, the next training session you might be able to extend that a little bit, and then eventually it becomes a little a little bit more natural. Yeah, it's really interesting topic, isn't it? Yeah, because some people do think you can watch it all the way in your bat, but I, yeah, I could never do that myself. I don't think. Um, and then, yeah, there's good tips about just watching the ball closely. Um, what about just trying to focus on the logo of the ball or you think, like, making a texture mark is better? Um, the, you, you could try the logo. You'll find that the logo is almost impossible to see when the ball starts to spin um, spin a bit. You know, like, even even if you colour the ball, even half the ball, it becomes difficult to see. So, um so yeah, I suppose just something something a little bit bigger and more prominent than the logo. Um, yep. To to start with, but but even if you even if you are talking about the logo, you know, just just try to see the logo. You won't see it all the time, but there are times during the rally where you might just get a glimpse of you know the the colour of the logo. Yeah, 
Yeah, makes sense. All right, great question, Stephen. Excellent. Next one is from Guglielmo. How do you say that name, Alois? Guglielmo. Guglielmo. And he's got a great question. He says, hi, Ping Skills. I started playing table tennis about one year ago, and I've always played with two inverted rubbers with an offensive blade. My problem is that I play my backhand well when I am close to the table, but with the forehand, I feel better when I'm at mid-distance. About a week ago, I started practicing with long pips, backhand chop, and felt very comfortable with this style of playing. Should I change from an offensive style that I practiced about one year to a modern defensive style? Yeah, so Guglielmo, hopefully I'm saying that reasonably, um, I think um, if you've been playing a year, that's not, in in the big scheme of things, that's not a not a, a long time. Um, I would experiment with uh, you using the inverter rub, the, um, sorry, the pimple on the backhand, you know, thinking about being a, a modern defensive style player. See, I mean, give it a month. Give it a few weeks. Um, just see if you enjoy playing that way. See if you're successful playing that way. Um, and um, if not, you can always go back. You know, there's no hard and fast rule. You're not tied to it. Um, but if you feel comfortable, and it sounds like you do uh, feel comfortable at that distance and, you know, playing those shots, yeah, why not? Um, it can certainly be – it's certainly an enjoyable way of playing the game, and it can be a really effective way of playing the game as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you do have to have a little bit of fun with it. So if you enjoy that more, definitely give it a go. Alois, when I was playing, there was a player that used to play um, close to the table with short pimples on their back end, and then they switched to long pimples and becoming a chopper. Um, good old yes. Robin Moore. And he, was, he became very successful as a chopper with it, you know, still an attacking forehand loop. Yes. Um, so And he'd played for a long time before he became a chopper. So it's definitely not too late to switch. Yeah, exactly. So Guglielmo, just yeah, give it give it a try. See how it see how it goes. Let us know how you progress. Um, you know, in a couple of weeks' time, you might realise, oh well, it's not really um, for me. It's not really um, helping me too much. Just go back. Yeah, or you might love it. And never look back. <laughs> yeah, I um I use short pimples on my back end. My back end was pretty awful. But I used short pimples on my back end for a year, and I actually found at the end of that, um, it gave me a bit of freedom on the back end as well. So you know, it can it can do some good things psychologically as well. There you go. All right. Um, moving on to the next question from Prashant. It says, "What is this rule in table tennis? If the ball drops twice on the net and falls directly on the opponent's table?" Yes. So Prashant, um, that's fine. So that's uh, play on. So it doesn't matter how many times the ball bounces on the net. And you find that it very, very rarely is going to bounce twice on the net. You know, it usually just clips it and heads over or falls back on your side. But yeah, sometimes it does bounce twice on the net and that's uh, that's fine. Play on. I mean, the other, I suppose the other interesting uh, rule is that the net post and the clamp are all part of the net as well. So, you know, the, there's there's a little bit of net that um, protrudes over the table. So that's considered part of the net too. So if the ball bounces on the, you know, the material part, then bounces on the on the clamp and then goes in, again, that's okay, it, even though it's bounced on the net twice. Yeah, interesting. I'm not sure I've ever seen that happen, but... Um... 
I guess it must occasionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I have. Yeah. All right, great, great question, Prashant. Hopefully that uh, that clears that up for you. All right, everybody, that is a wrap for the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the questions and the joke of the week, of course. No, no. <laughs> Maybe not. We'll get, we'll, oh, we'll get Brendan back next, next time. Yeah, please, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, and make sure you check out pingskills.com. And so, yeah, once again, thank you, listeners. And, of course, thank you, Alloys. Thanks, Jeff, and we'll see you soon. All right. Bye, everyone.